I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That is Psalm 121, which along with Psalms 122 and 123 are the Psalms appointed for today, Tuesday, June the 29th, 2021. Thank you for listening to Faith Seeking Understanding. I'm your host, John Green. We continue our study today in 1 Samuel, the book of Acts, and also in the Gospel according to Luke. So remember that, that yesterday what we had in the Old Testament lesson was that Saul had been made king over Israel. He had been chosen by lots, which essentially points to God choosing him because he had pointed out the unlikelihood that he would be the king over Israel. And, and his points were, I'm from the smallest of the tribes, from the least of the clans, and the least of the families within those clans. And yet the lots fell first on Benjamin, then on his tribe, or on his clan, then on his tribe, and then on him. And so it, was the, the, it proves exactly what Samuel had said and what Samuel had done. Now there is so much backstory to the rest of this um, reading today. As we move forward, he has become king. And remember, at the end of it, there were some people who said, no, this man can't save us. He can't possibly be the one to save us. And then they went away, and Saul held his peace at that time. He's going to hold it again today. But, but it's an interesting story because what we get is Nahash, the Ammonite, went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead, which is part of Israel. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, the king of the Ammonite, make a treaty with us and we'll serve you. They were willing to become subservient to another nation here. But Nahash, the Ammonite, said to them, on this condition I'll make a treaty with you, that I'll gouge out all your right eyes and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, give us seven days respite that we may send messengers throughout all the territory of Israel. Then, if there's no way to save us, we'll give ourselves up to you. So they left and they went to Gibeah of Saul. In other words, they've, they've, um, they've accepted Saul as their king. And, and now God's making the, the nation one. He's pulling the nation together in support of their brothers down in Jabesh Gilead. And so that, but they have recognized Saul as the rightful king, and so they've sent messengers to Gibeah to Saul, and they reported the matter in the ears of the people, and the people wept aloud. Now, this is, it, it, to go back and read all this stuff, I, I'll point you in the right direction, and I'll let you read this, but it's, it's bizarre, to be honest with you. If you go back to Judges 19, 20 and 21, you'll see the stories of Benjamin and Jabesh Gilead. And so the story in, in um, chapter 19 of Judges is, is that there's a Levite who has taken for himself a concubine. His concubine was unfaithful to him, and afterwards she goes to her father in Bethlehem. And then the Levite, after four months, goes down to see her and to take her back with him. And so he goes and he stays, you know, and, and the father greets him, rushes out to greet him, brings him in, implores him to stay for three days. And so he stays for three days. And then the fourth day, he talks him into staying again. The fifth day, he does the same thing. And then finally, the, the Levite says, no, we're leaving. 
And then they get close to Jerusalem, which at that time is, is a Jebusite city. So they come to that place, and, and the Jebusites are not, by the way, um, Israelites. And so he comes there, and, and his servant says, let's go in here. And he says, no, 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 we're not going to stay with foreigners. And they press on to Gibeah. And then from that point on, that story is nothing more than the study of or the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, but it's in Benjamin. It's in Gibeah, where Saul's from, and it's in Benjamin, which is the tribal allotment that God gave them. And so that they act like Sodomites. And then when, once that story comes to the rest of Israel, the, the, the rest of Israel then goes against Benjamin and destroys it burns the cities and all that, leaves 600 men. That's what's left because they fled and hid. And then they began to feel sorry for him the next day, and they said, oh, we got to get them some wives because there's no women there, so what are we going to do? We can't leave one of the tribes of Israel bereft. And so what they do is they go then and they get, they say, all right, who did, is there any tribe that didn't go up with us to fight against Benjamin? And, and somebody said, yeah, there is actually. There's a, those people down in Jabesh Gilead didn't go. And so they said, okay, let's go get them. And so they go and kill them. And, they, and then what they find left, or what they find among them, is 400 virgins. And they say, okay, we're going to take these 400 virgins from Jabesh Gilead, and we're going to take them up and go to Benjamin. And we're going to give those 400 virgins to the 600 men who are left in Benjamin. And so they go and they do that. So that would mean then that Saul's mother would have been from Jabesh Gilead. So these are his people who are now asking for help against the Ammonites. So that's the reason Saul's so upset. So he comes from the field behind the, uh, behind the oxen, and he's, Saul says, what's wrong with the people? That they're weeping. So he, he's been out working in the fields, just like David was working in the fields and then comes and finds out what's going on in the story with Goliath. So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed on Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and tore them into pieces and sent them through all the territory of Israel by the hand of the messengers. Now, the, the other thing to know about that story from before of the Levite and the concubine was is that, that in Gibeah, what had happened was is that, that they wanted, the people of Benjamin wanted the Levite to be sent out of the, of the house of the man who was giving him shelter that night so that they might know him, which means have sex with him, which is exactly what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so the master of the house then says, here, let me, have, let me give you my virgin daughter and his concubine. And they said, no, we want the man. And so finally the man, the Levite, who's not the good guy in this story even, just puts her out and said, here, have her. And they knew her all night long, it says. I mean, they raped her all night. And then she got away, and he found her the next morning clinging to the threshold dead. He cut her up into pieces and sent her throughout all Israel so that people would know what had happened. And that's exactly what Saul does here, but he does it with oxen. He sends them around. Whoever doesn't come after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. And then they all went up against the Ammonites, and they won. They carried the day, and the people of Jabesh Gilead were saved from the rule of the Ammonites. And afterwards, they come together, and the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Who are the people who questioned that and said, He'll never save us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, No, not a man shall be put to death 
this day. For today, the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. And so they all gather at Israel and they renew the kingdom. They bring everybody back together and the kingdom is one again. Because now everybody's going to live at peace because they have taken care of one another. They've gone now and, and not against the people of Jabesh Gilead, but they have saved the people of Jabesh Gilead in the way that they destroyed them before in order to make to get wives for the tribe of Benjamin. And so the kingdom is all back together again now in many ways. So in, the, in this Luke passage, in this gospel, what, we, what we're getting is the trial. They were, the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him, and they also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him and so through the night the soldiers are there keeping Jesus he's not been tried with anything yet but he's been taken away but the rumors you've got to know by the next morning are running rampant over what's what's going on here this outrage that's happened so when day comes the assembly of the elders and the people gather together both the chief priests and the scribes the Sanhedrin and they led him away to their council and they said if you're the Christ tell us he says if I tell you you won't believe me and if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Big statement right there. Huge statement. So they all said, are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. In other words, yep. And they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it from ourselves, from his own lips. Yes, they did. But they thought it was blasphemy. They heard the truth. And they rejected the truth because it wasn't convenient for them to believe it. They wanted to hold on to their positions of power. And, and so long as Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and did the things that he did and held the hearts of the people, they weren't going to have their positions anymore. And so they had to get rid of him. He threatened them in two different ways. He threatened them with the leadership over the people because the people were not holding on to them any longer. They had turned to Jesus. They had left him partly because of the work of John the Baptist, but largely because of the work of Jesus, the things that he had done, the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, as well as the things that he had said, the way in which he had refuted the, these leaders. He had exposed them before the people. He had exposed them for who they were and what they were. They were evil, wicked shepherds, just like Ezekiel had prophesied and just like Zechariah had prophesied. And so now Jesus comes as the great good shepherd, and, and they are exposed. He's made them look bad in the eyes of the people. They can't lord it over the people anymore because Jesus exposed them. And, and that's one way in which Jesus is a threat to them, but the second way is perhaps the larger way. And that larger way is is that, that they believe that the people are going to go out to him, and after what they saw on Palm Sunday, they're afraid. They're afraid that, that the people are going to acclaim Jesus as king, and the Romans are going to drop the hammer. The Romans have allowed them to practice their religion. It's not an official religion of, of Rome, but it is a, a illicit, L-I-C-I-T, religion. Not an illicit religion. An illicit religion would mean that it's illegal to practice it. Licit means it's allowed. Not that it's supported or sanctioned, but, but the Romans have said it's a legitimate religion. And so they allow them to practice it, and they allow them to do the sacrificial worship and all that kind of stuff. And, and so they, that is threatened. So the priests are threatened, the Pharisees are threatened, the scribes and the elders are all threatened in two different ways, on two different fronts, 
And they've got to do something about that because they're feeling threatened. And rather than acquiescing and, and, and hearing that Jesus is indeed the Son of God, they're going to quash it. They don't believe, and they still don't. And it's a horrible thing. I listen to great teachers, great rabbinic teachers, who, who because they've rejected Jesus out of hand on the front end, can't even see in their own teachings that the stuff that they're teaching, and not just Torah teaching, but the stuff that comes from other sources like the Gemara and the Talmud and the Mishnah, all that stuff, so much of it, when they teach it, points directly to Jesus. But they've ruled him out in the beginning, and their hearts have become hardened. And it's important that we understand that and that we pray for people and that we don't argue with them and fight with them. We, we pray for them, just like Stephen prayed. We have compassion on them because their hearts are hardened and their eyes are darkened. And so Saul approves of the execution of, um, of Stephen in, at, the, at the beginning of Acts 8. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And remember, Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to be in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria uh, refer to the, the expanding circle outward. And so you got Jerusalem, which is in Judea, which is Judah, and then it extends beyond Judea into Samaria. Not some of the other places that are there, but the Samaritans are the next place to go. And, and they're, they are actually kind of the, one of the, the original lost tribe um, that they separated themselves from the worship in Jerusalem because they believed that God had sanctioned the place where they were as the place where his name should dwell. And so they, they saw themselves as the pure Israel. But Jesus exposed it in John 4, and he said, no, salvation comes from the Jews. You worship, you don't know what. And so here, they're, they're going out in exactly the same pattern Jesus told them they should go out. But the disciples, the apostles, are not the ones who are going, which is so bizarre to me. But then devout men buried Stephen, just like they buried Jesus, and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison, which is exactly what Jesus said would happen to them. And he told them, don't worry about it, because the Spirit's going to give you the words to say whenever you're brought before these councils. So then the, they scattered, except the apostles. Like I said, this is so bizarre. So then Philip, not an apostle, obviously, because we're told the apostles didn't scatter. So the, Philip, who is one of the deacons that we see that was established with Philip in Acts 6, he goes down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord. They were all together of one heart and one mind, which is Acts 2 language. And they paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many of them. And many who were paralyzed or, or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Then there was another man, though. There was a guy called Simon down there, Simon Magus, Simon the Magician, that we know him as. He practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria prior to this, saying that he himself was somebody great. He was pointing to himself. Philip is there pointing away from himself to Jesus. And the things that he does in, are intended not to point to him either. They're intended to point to Jesus and be the confirmation of the proclamation. 
And so they all paid attention to Saul, Simon before that, from the least of them to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that's called great. However, in spite of the fact that they were amazed by that, and they all paid attention to him for a long time, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. He saw something greater and submitted to that power. He didn't understand it fully yet, as we're going to see probably tomorrow. But, but he saw what was going on, and he, the one who had previously amazed them, was now amazed. And he submitted to this baptism himself. And he continued on with Philip. And, and that's God gathering back in his lost children. And they're the first who were gathered back in, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He had already laid the groundwork in Samaria because he went there. Remember, they all believed. And so Philip, all he's doing is going to a bunch of people who have already heard and seen things about Jesus, and now he goes and proclaims the rest of the story, the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension. And, and that proclamation is accompanied by signs and wonders. And those signs and wonders had to be there because previously this Simon had been doing those same kinds of signs and wonders. And now here comes a man proclaiming and doing greater things. We, we have to constantly be prepared for God to prove himself to people when we make our proclamation. We should expect great things as we go about the work of proclaiming him. Being clear that it's not us who does the works, but Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit working through us to confirm our proclamation of him, to exalt him, not us.